news, my friends. The third Sunday of Advent, and our readings this morning are from Isaiah chapter 35, 1 to 10, Canticle 15, or the Magnificat from Luke 1, 46 to 55. Second reading is from the letter of James, chapter 5, verses 7 to 10. And our gospel reading is from Matthew chapter 11, verses 2 to 11. Well, grace and peace to you, my friends. We have arrived at one of my favorite Sundays of the year, Stir Up Sunday. And for those of you who have been assembled at St. Bartholomew's Episcopal Church in Palmer, Alaska for some time, you may remember that this Sunday was Our old friend Bill Franklin's favorite Sunday as well. Bill's low yet powerful voice would remind me and remind us all that it's not syrup Sunday, as in we're going to have pancakes after our worship and douse them with syrup, although some of us would enjoy that greatly, I'm sure. No, today is stirrup Sunday, and that is taken from our colic which says, Stir up your power, O Lord, and with great might come among us. We need to watch out when we start praying prayers such as this, because maybe, just maybe, the Lord will indeed stir up his power and with great might come among us. Now, wouldn't that be exciting? I mean, what would a parish of an Episcopal church gathering look like if the Holy Spirit of the living God were to come among us with great might? I'd love to see it, and I'm sure this would be much more edifying than all of us sitting around covered in maple syrup. Now, more poignantly, and perhaps with a more critical eye to our readings from this morning's lectionary, we shall easily see why this Sunday is called Stirrup Sunday. In short, here's the reason. The first two weeks of Advent, we talked about the arrival of the king, And not just one arrival of the king, but three arrivals of the king. And we've called them the three arrivals of Advent. The first being when the king, that is Jesus, was born around 4 BC to a young woman named Mary and her betrothed, Joseph. And they, as they traveled to the city of Bethlehem, the city of David, to have their firstborn. All important details to the fulfilling of the scriptures as said in the book of the prophet Isaiah. Then the third coming of the king, that is when Jesus reveals himself to this world at the end of the age, at the end of times, that is yet to come. This third coming of the king is also foretold in the scriptures, which we have merely peeked at the last couple of Sundays. However, It is that second coming of the king that we today are most concerned with, and that arrival is when Jesus lands in our hearts and dwells within us. Of course, the word dwell is a biblical word which traces through the scriptures all the way from Genesis to the Gospel of John, which describes God, our God, as dwelling in the midst of his people Israel, all the way up to the Gospel of John, where in 114, John writes, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. But those are different sermons for different occasions. 
Today is Stirrup Sunday. So why is today called Stirrup Sunday? Well, in Advent, we talk about the arrival of the king. But this Sunday, we speak not only about the arrival of the king, but today we talk about what will happen when the king arrives. And when the king arrives, the king will indeed stir up his power with great might amongst his people. It is what the word Emmanuel confirms in our existence that when God is with us, things are going to get stirred up. So let's look for his power to be stirred up amongst us. Take, for instance, our first reading this morning from the book of Isaiah. As you recall, this is year A in our liturgical calendar, and that means it is the year of Isaiah. Friends, as we recall, Isaiah is theological poetry to our souls. Theological poetry which expresses God's love to God's chosen people in ways that bring out new understandings, new hopes, new dreams for God's people, and what God's love may look be like for our lives. And so Isaiah is relay, relaying God's words of love to God's chosen people, Israel. It just so happens that during the time of Isaiah's prophecy, God's chosen people had fallen away from their lover. The land of Israel had become barren. The people of Jerusalem had dried up in spirit because they had left the Lord their God. Yet God, our God, despite Jerusalem's desire to chase after harlotry and apostasy, to chase after other gods, God, our God, speaks a love poem to his people through the words of the prophet Isaiah. What poetry does Isaiah recite then, you ask? Well, Starts off the wilderness, and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. It's poetry, you see. Isaiah is comparing the people of Jerusalem to a wilderness, a dry land, a desert all that's all dried up. This once fertile land, having now become shriveled up, shall one day, like the crocus, like this land, will blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. You see the contrast here that Isaiah is bringing about? Now we ask, when will this blossoming happen? Well, it'll happen. This rejoicing and singing will occur when the Lord appears. And at his first advent in 4 BC, it exactly happened as the shepherds came and sang with greatness and rejoiced because the Lord had come. And then again at the third advent or at the end of days. And also most importantly for us at the second advent when the king arrives in our hearts. When that day happens, water shall break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. And at this second advent then, the lives of those who are shriveled up will become like a fertile garden, and with that much joy and singing will soon follow. Have you ever lived in a physical desert? Well, I had the opportunity to live in the Mojave Desert for 48 months, and for 46 of those months, it was hot and dry and mostly miserable. However, for two of those 48 months, I inhabited the Mojave 
We lived in a beautiful, lush, blooming, and vibrant land. The, the spring rains came. Physically, the desert is a harsh and dreary land. Almost every aspect of the de desert is designed to do one thing, and that is to kill whoever or whatever enters into it. The heat during the day is oppressive, and the cold in the night is bone-chilling. The water is protected by plants with thorns, and the wells are usually spiked with sulfuric gases. The windstorms, truly indescribable. And then suddenly, overnight, in the spring, the rains come. And the desert blossoms and blooms like the Garden of Eden. Flowers appear out of nowhere. Green growth of various kinds rush forth, flowing down the wadis and throughout the valleys. Perhaps you live in a desert. A spiritual desert, that is. Or maybe you're caught in a world of mental and or emotional anguish and your inner world is more like a desert than a garden. And then we come about and pray a prayer such as, Stir up your power, O Lord, and with great might come among us. Because we are sorely hindered by our sins, let your bountiful grace and mercy speedily help and deliver us through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And when we pray that prayer, and when we sing, O come, O come, Emmanuel, when we pray, come, Holy Spirit, come, our expectations should turn more towards what a garden might look like than the desert. We should turn more towards stirring up the power of the Lord. For me, and I can only speak for myself, for me over the years, when I have turned to the Lord and made, said this prayer, or one like it, oftentimes it was like I had been residing in a desert wilderness upon which the waters rushed forth and brought forth new life. When I turned from my own ways to the Lord's ways, then I found great rejoicing and singing. I hope and pray the same is true for you, especially for those of you who are living in a mental, emotional, or spiritual desert, and that as you pray this prayer, the refreshment of the Holy Spirit of the living God may rain down upon you, and your life is to be filled with blooming and blossoming. This morning, we also prayed together Canticle 15, or the Magnificat, Mary's song of praise to the Lord upon hearing of the blessing of bearing a son, a son whose name was to be called Emmanuel, or God with us. Mary breaks forth in praise. Mary lived in a land that was dry and barren, and now that land was to receive rains like the spring. The promised one was about to arrive. Here we pray theological poetry expressing God's love to God's chosen people through the gift of a son. And then finally, we turn to the Gospel of Matthew. It wouldn't be Advent without the opportunity for us to speak about the one who announced the arrival of the king, John the Baptist. Now, John had already baptized many of the Jewish people in the Jordan River to include the baptism of Jesus himself. But because of John's preaching in the land of Galilee against the puppet king of the Jews, Herod the Tetrarch, and his bride that he stole from his brother, John the Baptist had ended up in jail. 
Now, about a year has passed after John's imprisonment, and while he's waiting in a prison cell, John is waiting for his cousin, Jesus, to break forth the waters upon the barren land. But John was expecting the Messiah, Jesus, his cousin, to break forth waters in a violent and warlike way. John had expected a physical battle to have taken place, to replace Herod as the king of Israel, and that Jesus would then throw the Romans out of Jerusalem, retake the entire land that was once Israel, and then watch the land blossom and grow like the crocus had, as it says in Isaiah. But that battle had not happened. In fact, Jesus was bringing forth an unexpected kingdom, and John, sitting in prison, began to wobble and wonder if his cousin of his was really the one to come, the true Messiah. Or was he, John, and were the Jews then to expect another? How often in our own lives we too wobble and wonder if Jesus is the real deal. Or should we expect someone or something else to happen when things aren't happening in our own timetable, when things aren't going our way, when they, we think they should? When Jesus is trying to do one thing in us, but we want Jesus to do something else. We too often wobble and wonder if Jesus is the real deal. Should we go look for another? So when John heard that Jesus was, wasn't recruiting a warrior army, but was healing and teaching, John sent his disciples to Jesus with the question, Are you the one? Or should we expect another? Jesus' answer is right out of Isaiah. It's the physical answer to Isaiah's theological poetry. Go and tell John the blind receive their sight. The lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have good news brought to them. And blessed is anyone who does take who takes no offense at me. In other words, Jesus is saying to John's disciple, This dry and dreary land is receiving water and is now blossoming and blooming like a desert in the spring. The kingdom which Jesus brings is not a kingdom of physical power, but of spiritual power. The spiritual power is the uniting together of God with creation in a manner which God had desired from the beginning. And so for us in our lives, the kingdom Jesus brings to us is not necessarily a kingdom of physical power, it might be, but more accurately, Jesus brings to us a kingdom of spiritual power, a uniting of the Holy Spirit of the living God into our midst and into our beings. And then we are called to share this garden with those around us, with the world around us. The world in which we live is a dry and dreary land, devoid of love and care for one another. A world divided by political strife and conflict, war and rumors of war. The saddest part is that for the most part, the church of Jesus has been silent. And the church of today has few, if any, words to those living in this dry and dreary land. Stir up your power, O Lord, and with great might come among us. And because we are sorely hindered by our sins, 
Let your bountiful grace and mercy speedily help and deliver us. We all just prayed that prayer, but a few moments ago, what might that stirring up actually look like amongst us today? Well, maybe it looks like an after-school tutoring program for children. Children who live lives in a desert, who have felt little love, experienced little of life, have little hope in which to live. Children who might, who we might invite into our building here to be tutored in reading, writing, and arithmetic, and then given some spiritual food for their souls, some love, some attention. Maybe even they would hear from the Word of God. Maybe this stirring up looks like you at the local gym or cross-country ski group, or civic organization, or a running club. Yes, maybe this stirring up looks like you actively involved in one of these groups, shining your light in a dark and dreary land, bringing rain upon the desert that we live in. Maybe it is you ready to tell those why you have hope in Jesus, Maybe it is you who is ready to teach those wanting to learn more. Maybe it is you who tend to the flock which Jesus has brought about you. You see, stir up your power, O Lord, is a prayer much like an Advent song we sing, O come, O come, Emmanuel. Stir up your power, O Lord, is much like the prayer, Come, Holy Spirit, come. Stir up your power, Lord, is about the strengthening of our weak hands and making firm our wobbling knees. Be strong, my friends, and do not fear, for the Lord our God is here, and our Lord God has come to save us. So stir up your power, O Lord, and with great might, come among us. Amen. Amen. 